Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC Vegas 48. Okay, it's not the most exciting card in the whole wide world, but we are here to break down the prelim portion of that card. Now, for those of you who are wondering, why just the prelim portion of the card? There are even some unknown names on this main card. The answer is really simple. We know that while those names on the main card may not be household names from top to bottom, we know that you also are most likely to not know a lot of these people on the prelims. And that's where there's tons of money to be won, whether you're playing daily fantasy sports or you're gambling or, hey, maybe you just want to win that pick'em contest. Now, before we get started with the episode, I do want to mention that this episode is brought to you by the All-Star app. These days, there are more previews, analysis, podcasts, recaps. It's all so much. It's more than you can even shake a stick at. And when you're looking to get an insight to give you a little bit of an edge and you want to block out that noise from what really matters, you need to go download the All-Star app because they provide you with expert commentary from some of the most respected names in the sports world and they give it to you all in their app for free. There's lots of other great features to the All-Star app that I'll tell you about a little bit later on, but for right now, just go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting the theallstar.io. Now, to break down these fights with me today, I am joined by a frequent co-host of the show. You may know her from Bloody Elbow or at Kristen King MMA on Twitter. I, of course, am talking about Kristen King. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me back. Hopefully, we can make people excited about UFC Vegas 48. I've seen a lot of people not too happy about the card, but hopefully this breakdown will change that. That's right. It isn't the greatest one, but as you guys know, we break down each and every one of these fight cards by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this one by talking about Jonathan Pierce versus Christian Rodriguez. So, Pierce, back-to-back wins over Omar Morales and Kai Kamaka. His opponent, Christian Rodriguez, is 7-0, making his debut. He won last month at an organization called NAFC. Of course, you might also know him from the Contender Series, where he beat Junior Cortez. Now, my question for you, you got to see Christian Rodriguez fight on Contender Series against Junior Cortez. Is there anything about his style that gives you confidence fighting a guy like Jonathan Pierce up a weight class? Man, not at this time. I I know that he beat uh, Junior Cortez on the Contender Series, but there were some things in that fight, specifically around the wrestling, that had me give a little bit of pause to his his strategy when it comes to going up against a guy like Jonathan Pierce, who is absolutely known as like an overwhelming force. And, And I think as talented as Christian Rodriguez is, this is a little bit too much too soon for a UFC debut. Um, I can definitely see Pierce just kind of avoiding those shots that Christian Rodriguez has, um, kind of getting him down to the ground and doing what Jonathan Pierce does, and and that's submitting someone. So I I worry a little bit about Christian Rodriguez's chance, but I am happy that he is getting this chance in the UFC since he did miss out the last time. Yeah, definitely a deserved guy, but I'm going to go with the exact same prediction as you. I'm going to take Jonathan Pierce here by submission. And and I would say this too, Christian Rodriguez, great striker. He's a Rufus Sport guy. We we love Rufus Sport guys and they're they're fun to watch. But up a weight class against a guy who's just so long, I think he's going to have trouble getting close enough also without getting into that takedown zone. Because that's the thing. He might get close enough. But then he's going to get taken down by Jonathan Pierce, and, and that's really the, the end of all of it. Uh, and that brings us to another weird replacement fight, which is Mario Batista versus Jay Perrin. So Batista had a two-fight winning streak, but that was snapped by getting knocked out by Trevin Jones back in March of last year. Perrin, meanwhile, 10-4, and four, making his debut. He's the CES Bantamweight champ, which he won in his last fight. So my question for you here, Perrin, a guy who's been around the Northeast Regionals, 
up against a guy like Mario Batista, who comes from such a mean wrestling background, do you expect him to lean more on that wrestling background here against the newcomer parent, or do you think he's just going to, you know, go in there and slug it out? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he did do that, but, you know, with, with Batista, I think his striking and his wrestling together are, are awesome. I feel like there are some moments where he kind of leaves himself open, and it just looks very obvious, like, what he's trying to do when he tries to go for a takedown. He can just leave himself wide open, and I think that's obviously to his detriment. We've seen him on the receiving end of a knockout here and there throughout his UFC tenure, and that's just obviously a terrible thing. But against someone like Jay Perrin, who is also quite a good wrestler, I feel like he's also very well-rounded. I, I just I, – I, I don't see – there being too much of a threat coming from uh, from Perrin. I, I feel like this is another case of too much too soon. You're asking a lot for Jay Perrin, who he's also been around, but and I like what I've seen from him in the regional scene, but I feel like against someone like Mario Batista, who can put things together so well and so effortless, effortless, ah, effortlessly, excuse me, it's just very hard for me to get a read on what there is that Jay Perrin can do to score a win here. So I think wherever Mario Batista wants to take the fight, I, I think he'll succeed. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. And my biggest problem with Perrin, too, is he just seems to take a lot of straight punches. Like, if, if somebody is starting to put their combinations together and just throwing things straight to the target, it, it seems to get through on Perrin more often than it should. And, and Batista's a guy who can do that, who, who we've seen put people away with straight shots. I think he leans on that first, and if it doesn't work, then he goes to the wrestling. So I'm going to take Batista. I'm going to say he gets it done by knockout. Yeah, that... Go on. I, I'm definitely going to say Batista by unanimous decision. I'm going to give a little bit of a chance to Perrin here, but I, I can definitely see yours playing out as well. All right, and that brings us to our last fight of the first round, which is Gabriel Bogley Benitez versus David Onama. Benitez, 1-3 in his last four. He's coming off a TKO loss to Billy Quarantillo. That was back in July. Onama, meanwhile, lost his debut to Mason Jones by unanimous decision in October, but got quite a bit of fanfare in that fight. We've seen huge hands from him, not only in that fight, but on the regional circuit. Do you think they're sharp enough here, though, to touch up a veteran like Gabriel Benitez? I think they are, man. David Onama, I was very excited to see him get a shot in the UFC and just putting on the show that he did against Mason Jones. I mean, that was one hell of a fight. I was very excited to see him on that stage and he delivered even though he did not win. And so when I look at something like this fight against Gabriel Benitez, it almost feels like the UFC is giving him that opportunity to continue to excel in the way that they know he can. And against someone like Gabriel Benitez, who... There has been some issues as of late. As you can see, he's been getting tagged and dropped a lot more often now. And it just going up against a guy that has some freaking dynamite in his hands like Onama, I'm not sure if that bodes well for Benitez. I mean, I mean, there's I, I just I can't see that there is not a possibility where he could really win this fight. I I I feel bad for Benitez because he did look like a very good prospect when he first entered. But man, I think this is David Onama's time. Yeah, and, and for me, it's exactly what you said. He's up against a guy who gets tagged, right? Like like Gabriel Benitez gets tagged. That's the thing about him. He likes to be in there in a war. He likes to mix it up. This is not a guy to mix it up with. This is not a guy who you want to eat punches from because while Mason Jones survived it, he's the only one who's ever survived it uh, because David Onama drops absolute hammers. So... I'm going to go with Onama here by knockout. Do you think he gets the knockout as well? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm going Onama via second round TKO. That's my prediction. All right. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with round number two. 
Alright guys, one of my favorite features of the All-Star app, it's gotta be the player bios. Say you're looking to do a little research on an upcoming fight between, I don't know, Jamal Hill and Johnny Walker? Well, you can click on that fight, which is super easy to find in their scores tab, and not only do you get when the fight is happening, but you also get opening and current lines for both the fight itself and for the totals. And that's really awesome because it's letting you know where the Sharks have got their money, where it's moving back and forth, and helping you plan your attack. But it's far more than just betting lines. They've got full records dating back to each fighter's pro debuts and so much more information on them. And if you feel like you could use that to get your edge, make sure you go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting theallstar.io. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jessica Rose Clark versus Stephanie Egger. So Clark on a two-fight winning streak in the Bantamweight division. She got a TK over Sarah Alpar and followed that up with a unanimous decision win over Jocelyn Edwards. Egger, meanwhile, 1-1 one one in the UFC. She lost to Tracy Cortez in her debut. She bounced back with a TKO win over Shanna Young. So my question for you here, Egger, she's a judoka. She's an ADCC qualifier. She's somebody who very clearly looks in her element on the mat. The question for me just is, can she get Jessica Rose Clark and how much is it going to tire her out if she fails at that? Yeah, I, I, that's my thing about this fight as well. I mean, I really do enjoy seeing the improvements that Jessica Rose Clark has made recently. I know she spent a good amount of time away. And when she did come back, I mean, she's on a two-fight win streak. She has that third-round TKO over Sarah Alpar and then that decision against Jocelyn Edwards. And she just looked fantastic in those fights. And so when I think about the the window of opportunity for Edgar, I mean, sure – She's, she is a judoka, and there's always that uh, chance that she can get you to the ground and maybe just outwork you and possibly wrap up the submission. But I just think against someone like Jessica Rose Clark, who has definitely made those improvements in her wrestling um, in recent years, I think it's very it's going to be very hard for her to kind of um, grapple her way to victory. I, I could definitely see it being a problem for her. So if that's her only window of opportunity, it's a very, very small window. I, I just see Jessica Rose Clark running away with this one. Yeah, and I kind of agree with you on this one. And, and the big tell for me is that Tracy Cortez fight. So Tracy Cortez, while, while that fight is at Bantamweight, Tracy Cortez, in my opinion, is a, is a flyweight, right? Like, she's a small Bantamweight when she fights at, at Bantamweight, but she, she's more of a flyweight. And Stephanie Ager had a lot of trouble with her physical strength. The physical strength of Tracy Cortez was just too much for Stephanie Ager. And since we've seen Jessica Rose Clark commit to Bantamweight, she is bulked up. She has gotten very strong. And it's not just that the strength is there. It's functional. It, it's stopping takedowns. It looks like she is able to body women up in a way she didn't when she was down a weight class. So I, I really feel that if Tracy Cortez could do that to Stephanie Ager and stuff the takedowns and get her work done on her feet, I sort of think Jessica Rose Clark has maybe even a better chance at doing that because she is bigger and stronger than Tracy Cortez at this time. So yeah, I'm going to go with Jessica Rose Clark. I'll say, I'm going to say decision. I don't think she gets a finish in there. How about you? Yeah, I'm saying decision too. I'm going to play it safe. All right. And that brings us to our next one, which is Deanna Belbita versus Gloria DePaula. So Belbita lost her first two in the UFC, but seemingly saved her job with a unanimous decision victory over Hannah Goldie. That was back in July. DePaula, meanwhile, 0-2 in the UFC. She lost a unanimous decision to Jinyu Fry and then got head kick knockout by Cheyenne Vlismas. Uh That latter one was in July as well. So, my question for you, both of these two have kind of struggled a little bit when the fight goes to the ground. DePaula really struggled with Jinyu Fry's grappling, but I don't know necessarily that either of them seem to want to go there. 
Is there a fighter here that you think may try to engage with the ground game? And if not, what does it look like on the feet? Man, if if there was a fighter in this fight that would probably take it to the ground, I would give the slightest advantage to DePaula. I feel like if she can get on the inside of Belbita Strikes, kind of use her wrestling to get her to the mat and, and kind of employ uh, like a strategy that Hannah Goldie did in the third round of the, the Diana Belbita fight. She did find success when she finally did get a takedown against Belbita and she started um, unleashing those elbows on Belbita. Of course, she survived and she won the fight, but that was obviously a good a good plan going into that third fight. So if DePaula can do something like that, I would give her a slight advantage on the ground. But when I think about how this fight could play out, I mean, I could see Belbita sticking and moving her way around and just kind of point fighting her way to a decision. It won't be the like the nicest fight. And I'm sure people would use this as an excuse to either go get a snack or go to the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, that's your prerogative. That's what you want to do. That's fine. Um, but I, as far as seeing where these women are in their careers, it almost seems like they did a 180. I mean, Belbita, she started off pretty badly and then she's kind of uh, progressing a lot better now, whereas DePaula, I mean, I was very high on her when she appeared on Contender Series, and I have not seen that Gloria DePaula yet. I have not seen her at all, so she's now 0-2, and I mean, this is a very big fight for both women, a loss for either one. I, I fear it could be the end of their UFC tenure, so very interesting matchup. Yeah, I agree with you entirely on that front. I, I think on the feet, it probably favor, favors Del- Belbita, because I think most likely what she's going to do is she's going to turn up the pressure when she needs to. She's going to back away when she doesn't need to. Her footwork, it, you know, despite the fact that we've seen some holes here and there, it's worked out for her for the most part. We've actually seen little touches of her wrestling being good. Like, she, she took down Leanna Jojua, so I, I'm not going to say she's outmatched on the ground. I actually think it's probably closer on the mat than it is on the feet. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with your, your analysis on both those fronts. I think both of them have something to fight for here. But yeah, I'm going to take Belbita by uh, maybe not the most exciting decision. Is that your pick as well? Absolutely my pick. <laughs> All right. And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We are five for five and agreeing on fights. We'll see if we can find you some disagreement in the third round after a quick word from our sponsors. All right, guys, the last thing that I really dig about the All-Star app, it's got to be their news feed. If you're the type of person who gets your sports news from social media, you got to stop doing that and instead start reading the All-Star app because they use a proprietary algorithm that only brings you the highest quality sports news and you can personalize your feed, which means you only get the sports news that you care about and all in one nice, neat little spot. So if this sounds like something you'd like, and I think that it is, go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting theallstar.io. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Chaz Skelly versus Mark Strigel. So Skelly, coming off a unanimous decision victory over Jordan Griffin, but that was way back in September of 2019. So it's been a little while since we've seen Chaz Kelly. It's also been a little while since we've seen Mark Strigel. Back in October of 2020, he lost his debut to Sedner Megamedov in under a minute by KO, and that is our only UFC experience for Mark Strigel. So obviously, these two, not necessarily young guys. They're in their mid to high 30s. Uh, both of them, plenty of mileage on the tank. Both of them, 18-3 and three with a no contest. So this will be both their 23rds fight. My question for you is, which one's layoff seems to worry you more in this case? You know, when I think about somebody like Skelly, who has been doing it as long as he has, I mean, 
it's always concerning when someone has a very huge layoff. But when I take a look at Skelly, it's like, you know, learning to ride a bike again. Once you get your foot on the pedals, you get a firm grip on the handlebars, it all comes back to you naturally. And that's exactly how I feel about Skelly. So I feel bad that he hasn't been able to fight in a, in a long time. But in a, in, a, in a fight like this against someone like Mark Striegel, who I think he's going, this is going to be a grappler versus grappler delight, by the way, everyone. This is going to be one of those fights where it takes place majority on the ground and it should be fun to watch. Um, but I, I would think that the layoff, it might affect um, Striegel just a little bit more, especially considering the last time that we saw him, it was a very brutal knockout. And I, I don't know if he's worked on his striking in that in that time off. So I don't know. I, I'm worried about Striegel. I don't really have too much of a worry about Skelly, who says this may be his last professional MMA fight um, for good. So I, I think he could get a win on the way out. That's just my opinion. I feel like he could definitely out-wrestle um, and out-grapple Mark Striegel and work his way to a submission. Yeah, and that that's really an interesting dynamic to this fight, too, because we've seen so many people say that this is going to be their last fight, and obviously then you see the MMA retirement and they fight 10 more times. But also, we've seen people like Chaz Skelly or, or Chris Lytle or people like that who said this is it, and it's it. And sometimes we see people who have one foot out the door look absolutely awful. Sometimes we see them, you know, the aforementioned Chris Lytle looked amazing in his last fight. So it's like weird to try to handicap Chaz Skelly in this moment and where his headspace might be. But you're right. I, I think this winds up being a grappling match. So then you have to ask yourself, do you think Chaz Skelly is the better wrestler? Do you think Mark Stregel is the better wrestler who actually has quite a bit of amateur wrestling experience as well? Do you think if one takes the other one down, the other one's got a chance to sweep? Do we think it nullifies it all? So it, it sounded like you're going with, with Chaz Skelly. You think the wrestling's good enough. Do you think he does finish with the submission? I am going to say that he does finish with the submission. All right. And I'm actually going to differ with you on this one. I, my lone underdog here on this undercard is I think I'm going to take Mark Struggle. I think his wrestling holds up well enough. I'm concerned about the layoff of Skelly, especially because he is a little bit older and he's got one foot out the door. Uh, I, I have a tough time imagining he's going to come back really solid from that. So I'm going to go with Struggle here by decision. And that brings us to our last fight, which is Chad and Helger versus Jesse Strader. And Helger is 11-5, making his UFC debut. He got a Contender Series split decision victory over Murin Gafaroth back in September to win his contract. Strader, meanwhile, took a short-notice debut against Montel Jackson back in March of 2021, where he got ground and pound finished very quickly. So my question for you is we didn't really get much to see about Strader, but in his Contender Series fight for Ian Helger, he, it was a really gritty performance against a guy with great wrestling and a guy who's very highly touted, and he just sort of willed his way to a victory, whether or not he had the skills to be the better fighter that day. Do you think that that's enough to get by a guy like Jesse Strader here? It probably is, and honestly, I, I don't see this. Th these two guys are, are very fun and exciting to watch, obviously. Um, but if I had to favor one when it comes down to like getting into the deep water, based off of his contender series fight, I, I'd have to go with Ann Helliger. I mean, I feel like he'd have more um, like stamina and just the ability to wear on his opponents, whereas Jesse Strader, first round and you're done is not the best strategy. I mean, he he puts on a show in the first round. Absolutely, he looks great. Uh, but then when you go out into the second round and maybe the third round, if it gets that far, you can kind of see him tire out a little bit. So I, I worry for someone like Strader, who is pretty much all explosiveness and, and no gas tank, 
um, against someone like Anne Helliger, who is probably going to take you down, keep you there. Or if he can find the opportunity to knock you out, he'll definitely take that opportunity and do it. So should be a fun one to watch for as long as it lasts. I personally don't think it's going to last as long. So my prediction is going to be Anne Helliger versus, <laughs> versus via second round KO. All right, and I'm going to agree with you entirely here. I think Ann Helliger is just a guy who who has that gritty performance. I'm not actually even all that high on him here, but I, I agree 100% with what you said, that Jesse Strader is a guy who comes out of the, the tunnel fast. He's trying to pour it on all to start, and I don't think Ann Helliger is a guy who wilts to that. He's got a great gas tank. I think he's tailor-made to beat a guy like Jesse Strader. Um, I, I agree with you that I think it'll be a fun matchup for as long as it lasts, and I, too, will take Chad and Helliger by TKO. And that's going to do it for the end of our third round. We gave you all seven fights in just a little bit over 15 minutes. We hope you learned something and got a good breakdown of these prelims for a, well, maybe a lackluster card. I, of course, want to thank my co-host, Kristen King. You can catch her on Bloody Elbow as well as other places. And, of course, you can find all of that tweeted out at Kristen King MMA on Twitter. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much. Hope to do it again soon. Enjoy the fights, guys. I promise you it's going to be a good showing.